On this episode of Yours Mentally, we talk about managing mental health with a chronic illness. Now, this is something that none of us really speak about and honestly, this episode was a great learning. I would recommend if you could listen to it at full length because I promise you, you're going to learn a lot from this episode. This episode is in conversation with Dr. Ruhi Satija, who is a consultant psychiatrist and a counseling therapist. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. So on today's episode, where we talk about managing mental health with a chronic illness, Dr. Ruhi, what is a chronic illness and can you give us a few examples? A chronic illness is an illness that can happen due to any reason. It could be physiological disorder or a medical disorder. It could be a mental health disorder as well. But anything that has been present for a long duration is what we call as a chronic illness. And something that does not start necessarily suddenly, but over a period of time. So it can start with subtle signs like, you know, maybe aches and pains, fevers, maybe just changes in mood. But it stays for a longer duration is what is known as a chronic illness. Example, diabetes, hypertension, schizophrenia, bipolar mood disorder. These are the common ones that we talk about. Right. Okay. So what is the most common mental illness that people with chronic illnesses develop? So it is a very common understanding that there is a mind-body connection, which means that many times physical illnesses, for example, somebody having diabetes, cancer, hypertension, will develop a mental health issue either as a consequence of the stress that is happening because of illness or sometimes biologically only they are more prone to developing it. For example, somebody who is having a thyroid disorder is having more, you know, chances of developing depression overall Mm -hmm. in life, right? Mm -hmm. So there are many illnesses that are associated with the chronic disorders, but most common being anxiety and depression which is biologically more common. And of course, for example, in cases of cancer, we see that there is PTSD as well, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, which is not directly because of cancer, but as a result of the trauma, emotional, psychological, and physical, that happens with cancer, as well as the treatment that is required in cancer. So these are the common mental health issues that we talk about. Right. So what physical issues can one develop due to chronic mental health illnesses? So this is a very important question. And this is something that not people are aware of, that even mental health issues can cause physical illnesses. For example, Mm -hmm. stress is something that we all go through on a day-to-day basis. And we take it as, you know, a natural part of life that we are a bit stressed. In fact, It's the unfortunate reality of a society that we think that stress is good for us or the hustle culture is good for us. Whereas Mm -hmm. the science clearly shows and the research clearly shows that stress itself, I'm not even talking about a proper mental health disorder, even simple day-to-day stress that we are dealing with is directly Mm -hmm. related with physical health issues. For example, Mm -hmm. cancers, diabetes, hypertension, which are the lifestyle disorders, of course even depression, even suicidality and road traffic accidents, which are, Mm -hmm. you know, not very well understood, but they are directly caused by the stress. Apart from that, thyroid issues and cancers are something very closely related with mental health disorders and heart attacks and even uh, the dementias that we talk about, which are the neurological disorder where people tend to lose their memory and having other motor disorders as well. So these are Mm -hmm. some of the physical illnesses that can happen in people who already have a mental health issue, both as a product of the mental health issue or because they have an underlying biological pathology, which is like a common factor in all of these disorders. Right. So in what ways does a chronic illness impact your mental health? So now, for example, let's pick a simple one, right? Let's say a person has depression. So Mm -hmm. physically, they are under stress. Of course, they have to modify a lot of the things in their lifestyle. 
they have to change the way they eat they have to change the way they exercise you know the way they are spending their time that itself can be a little bit stressful right because we are not mm-hmm. used to getting a lot of changes in life mm-hmm. secondly that can biologically also alter some of the hormones in our body example pcos which is a very common premenstrual disorder that we you know talk about which is a mm-hmm. symptom and it is often misunderstood that it is happening because of pcos or not mm-hmm. right so pcos is the uh, polycystic ovarian disorder which is a biological issue where the ovary will have cysts whereas it can you know increases increase your chance of depression and anxiety as well and mm-hmm. pms which is premenstrual syndrome or premenstrual disorder which is a psychological issue also can happen because of you know the pcot so they are very mm-hmm. closely related and sometimes we think that this is just you know somebody expressing it that way or because they are not able to do it that way so they are saying that they are depressed or anxious that's not true there are actually biological and hormonal changes happening in the body because of which these issues or these signs and symptoms start coming right so how does one differentiate between the effects of their physical illnesses on their mental illnesses like for example if one doesn't have an appetite or feel like being in bed all the time how do they identify the cause so in most of the cases depending on when the symptoms started the doctors are able to figure out that you know mm-hmm. this is because of this physical health issue or it is an independent illness or not but more importantly we need to understand that sometimes it is not important to know why it started but more important is that we get it treated because sometimes if it is just because of you know as a consequence of it so for example let's say a cancer patient who is undergoing chemotherapy starts showing signs of anxiety and depression if it is just as a consequence of the therapy that they are going and the stress they are undergoing a simple counseling sessions or a therapy session might be more than enough for them to feel better mm-hmm. right but if after therapy also they don't feel better then we think of biological causes of anxiety and depression that means like i said that they have a biological you know in uh, more chance biologically more chances to get things these disorders in that case then we talk about starting medicines for them so this is how we differentiate right okay so how and why are support groups especially important for someone with a chronic illness so support groups is a, a beautiful concept of some people who have been on the same journey or who have had the same trauma getting together of course under the guidance of a professional right so they mm-hmm. get together and they can share their own experiences and then there is an expert helping them in india although there are some support groups i too have started very recently but of course it is not as widely distributed as the western countries and mm-hmm. it is not even as much accepted as well it is in the western countries in in fact in the hospitals of for example cancer the support group is included in the treatment directly you don't need to it is not an optional thing the doctor itself or the you know the medical practitioner itself will put you on a list for the group therapy session whereas in india there is no such thing nobody even talks about taking care of mental health support while you are in a you know a physical health treatment that's a difference between the west and uh, india so the mm. practice is a little bit different but mm-hmm. when a support group comes together first of all talking about just the community coming together that feeling of loneliness and the feeling of you know going through this journey alone goes away then the experiences of other when we see that others have been able to successfully overcome the uh, trauma that you are going through that itself starts giving you the motivation and then you get you know a community that is ready to hear you and give you the support right mm-hmm. apart from that in group therapy one practical benefit is that it is very cost effective and time effective 
one on one therapy can be expensive and you know affordability issues definitely can come whereas mm-hmm. a support group therapy in fact in india most of them are free of cost the one that i am running is as well you know free of cost and anybody mm-hmm. is free to join all they mm-hmm. have to do is just fill up a form and then we are there to help them but mm-hmm. if they come for one on one session of course it is much more expensive and not everybody can afford that so yeah. it becomes much more cost affected as well as for the uh, trainer or the uh, mental health practitioner who is sitting there is also you know able to help more people at the same time so it's mm-hmm. a beautiful concept in multiple ways then of course there is you know a feeling of belonging that comes and this some this is something that is very important for healing because many times when we see that there are chronic cases of any mental or a physical health issue we see that you know the family members also get saturated that how much they can help and for how long they can help although of course they have even if they have the intention to help the person everybody has you know their limits or a saturation point so at mm-hmm. that time having some more people who can add on to that help and you know also the patient also feels that i am not being a burden on the person they get a place to vent out they play, get a new place to go so there are a lot of benefits that come from the support group and i think that it's high time that indian practitioners understand the impact of it and start taking it very seriously because we have seen some wonderful results just because there was a support group involved so right. yeah i think this is one of my favorite things to do right Yeah. So how can one stop their mental illnesses from exacerbating the symptoms of their physical illnesses and vice versa Right So if we talk about having a physical health issues and now you have started seeing that you are having some mental health issues right for example mm-hmm. if i have a cancer going on or if i have a long term diabetes and now i can see that there are some unwanted changes in my mood or i'm starting to get anxious it is very important first of all to recognize the easiest way to recognize is which will be the first feeling that you will get any time you are starting to get any mental health issues is that i don't feel normal or i don't feel the way that i used to right mm-hmm. depression you know the common perception for example is that uh, people who are depressed will talk about suicidality or they are always sad they don't leave the bed it doesn't mm. start that way that is a very later stage of diabetes sorry depression and in fact mm. even if it is severe it takes a few weeks or months to reach that level <laughs> so initially it would simply be like that you know for the last one week or two week i'm just not feeling that good i'm just not able to do the things that i'm doing or i'm just not enjoying the things that i'm doing these are the very early signs of mental health issues and if people know about it i think it would save so much time and energy that goes into suffering right mm-hmm. so if you can see that something unusual is happening or even uh, this is also one of the misconceptions that these are the only symptoms of mental health issues many time depression starts with changing in appetite or the mm-hmm. change in you know the way your body is feeling sometimes it is just low energy that you feel in the beginning of depression so these are also signs so uh, simply you don't need to diagnose yourself all you need to see is that i used to feel this way but last from one week two week or three week i'm just feeling a little bit different and this is something that is consist- consistently happening that i'm not able to sleep or i'm not able to you know eat properly and i'm not feeling hungry these are very mm-hmm. subtle signs of these issues so as soon as you see them it is important that you get yourself checked go to a professional uh the one common mistake that people do is they go to a physician for mental health issues mm-hmm. so of course the physicians are you know have some information on how mental health issues work but surely the level of training that we have in our country the initial signs are mostly dismissed that you know it's just nothing take supplements mm-hmm. that's all mm-hmm. otherwise they will prescribe yoga or meditation for them mm-hmm. to heal 
but that is the saddest thing that happens because all it does is you know increases the illness and by the time they really start suffering is when they will see a mental health professional so the fees is same right there is no harm in going to a mental health professional so why go to a physician who is not that equipped to help you at that point so mm-hmm. my urge would be that if it is a mental health issue just go to a mental health professional if you are not comfortable with a psychiatrist go to a psychologist that's not mm-hmm. a problem but anyone who is trained to see mental health issues is important right yeah. so that's how you start and of course once you have known that there is something like this happening with you and you are having chances of you know depression or you have had depression now but the symptoms are increasing the best mm-hmm. way is starting the proper treatment so mm-hmm. in treatment i do not mean that you need to necessarily start medication sometimes it is just therapy sometimes it is just lifestyle modifications it is mm-hmm. a psychoeducation which means that you go for one or two consultation with a the therapist who will explain you that these are the problems that you are facing and making some daily changes in your schedule maybe they'll prescribe some mindfulness exercises maybe they'll mm-hmm. prescribe some relaxation exercises that will help you in preventing these symptoms to become much more severe right so what are some things that one can do to calm themselves down when they are overwhelmed by the impact and the treatment of both the illnesses right so that's a very beautiful question so yeah. i will answer this in two parts right okay. the first is what you need to do in that moment when you are feeling overwhelmed and that is whether you have an illness or not an illness this is something that every human should be trained into and the mm-hmm. second part is what to do about the illness part of it right so when we talk about overwhelm it is of two types one is the immediate overwhelm which is coming because of whatever we are going through in that moment right let's mm-hmm. say chemotherapy is going on radiation therapy is going on that itself is very very stressful so only thing you need to do at that time is focus on the moment right now so in that case mindfulness exercises come very handy and second is therapy having somebody who technically knows how to get you out of these anxiety attacks or the you know panic attacks that you are having or maybe just overthinking patterns that you are having so some techniques such as stop technique is there or box breathing is there progressive muscle relaxation is there these are very very easy you can simply google it and you'll find a video and you just have to follow what the person is saying right the second is the impact of the illness itself that is basically when the people start you know worrying about the future mm-hmm. that what is the result that is going to come out of it now in many of the chronic illnesses it's not necessary that we'll have a favorable outcome that means there are many illnesses where we still don't have the cure and we know that maybe you know they are not going to reverse this issue now maybe they have to live with it for the next few years or whatever at that time what they need to work on is acceptance therapy so that mm. is basically understanding that now if this has happened if i have this disability or if i have this issue going on in my life it is there to stay for some time all mm. we need to do is learning how to live with it and yet not letting it affect my life mm-hmm. right it is one thing that i have to make practical adjustments because you know let's say now i have to go for a weekly chemo session obviously mm-hmm. that one day is gone but then not letting the other five days get impacted by it that will mm-hmm. not just come by you know will power this is a uh, i think this is a very horrible thing that we do to the patients that we ex- uh, you know expect them to be okay expect yeah. them to be just you know be all right with it that all right you know you got the treatment you are fine you are getting better no it's it is traumatizing it is the agony is so huge right mm-hmm. so getting some professionals or getting some people who even if they are not mental health professional let's say like we talked about in support group that you know other patients who have successfully overcome getting them in touch with them because although 
tell uh, your loved ones or your family members definitely love you more than other people and they care about you but it's not necessary that they have the skills to help you mm-hmm. right so let's say there is a doctor versus your mother of course a mother will have the best intentions for you the doctor might not have that many but that also doesn't mean that what a doctor can do the mother can right mm-hmm. so not forgetting that and giving them that space and respect that they are uh, you know allowed to feel that the way that they are feeling and yet giving them some options of reducing the pain reducing the trauma is something mm-hmm. that we need to do so in the immediate moment using the mindfulness exercises like i said stop technique box breathing and many other breathing techniques are there progressive muscle relaxation stretching little bit of yoga these definitely help but of course they are not the answer the second mm-hmm. part is acceptance and finding the right help is what will really help you overcome this what are a few ways to remain hopeful and positive when you have a chronic illness even if the chances of you recovering are very slim so that's a very hard question to answer right but it is a necessary question to be answered there are chances in many cases we see especially when sitting in the office it is these cases only that we see on a daily basis where people know that they have got some sort of a illness that is you know not reversible but mm-hmm. that also doesn't mean that they need to just be a victim of it right mm-hmm. the victim mindset that comes is very obvious it there is no you know i wouldn't blame the person to feel that way if they do and i respect those feelings but it is important to understand that if there is nothing that you can do about it it is very important that you do something about the things that are actually in your control mm-hmm. right so what is it in today what is it in the next few days that you can do to feel better feel you know good or do things that you know you have been missing out on it's a good time to think about those and that is the this answer is for even the people who do not have any illness because we often see that you know years go by and we don't do the things that we really love because we are just doing what is necessary and it's mm-hmm. important that you know at this point of time at least we realize that there are things that we really want to do and we prioritize that over the things that are maybe feel very urgent or important but are actually not so mm-hmm. understanding the difference in both is something that is very vital and then starting to live your life the way that you would want to is you know something that keeps you feel motivated and positive and hopeful so this mm-hmm. is a very subtle difference and you know also understanding that uh, there are some things which are beyond your control but yeah. not necessarily need to restrict the life that you want to live mm-hmm. right so practically you might need some changes to make of course but emotionally it can still be a choice of what you want to feel but yes making that choice is difficult and it might take some time to you know come out of the shock of it so yes. by all means take your time grieving grieving is also important grief is an important aspect of you know getting any sad news in life so yes. give yourself that time and permission to feel everything that you are feeling but remember that you know the next phase of your life will depend on the decisions that you take today so whether you need to let the illness take over and decide what you do tomorrow or you want to be the in charge is a choice that you need to make today take mm-hmm. the help take help of professionals take help of your doctors your family to do what you really think you need to do right now but it is important to take action no matter how small they are but start mm-hmm. you know with baby steps and then eventually you will see that in few days itself you will start feeling a little bit better right so lastly in what ways can therapy be especially helpful for someone who has a chronic illness so therapy the most common misconception is that it has to be a mental health disorder to start therapy right 
that's not true therapy is for everybody even if you think you don't have any issue going on in your life because what therapy essentially does is it helps you understand yourself better understand your needs better your dreams better many times we see that after therapy you feel like a different person altogether and i will correct it here that it is not a different person it is actually who you really are but mm-hmm. what happens is with the learnings of society and the conditioning that we get often we become what is expected out of us right but mm-hmm. with therapy you dig a little deeper and understand what is essentially the core you what is it that you really want from life and what is it that you really want to do and that helps you bring a lot of perspective in life and mm-hmm. now coming to the people who are suffering right who have an illness they definitely need somebody who is unbiased and has a third person perspective so mm-hmm. for example you have you know people will say i have my family who really takes care of me yes definitely they do but not necessarily that they will have all the answers and often we see that even if they want to take care of you they themselves are going through that trauma na that somebody in my family is suffering that can be a very difficult time so therapy is not just for that person who is suffering sometimes even the whole family needs it so we do therapy for family therapy for these people as well because mm-hmm. it is a difficult time for the whole of the family to go through such a traumatic thing so mm-hmm. that is one way of you know uh, helping them that we give them a space to vent out what they are feeling and help them you know with the day to day feel factor of feeling a bit better but mm-hmm. apart from that there can be practical skills as well so like we already discussed that there are chances of having a mental health issue for example depression or anxiety or ptsd that starts with this or maybe dementia that starts with this so therapy can help you learn some practical tools to help you with your overthinking to help you with your anxiety so that you know the day to day life becomes a bit better and definitely prevent these illnesses to become worse as well and mm-hmm. in many cases we have seen that once a person starts feeling better even if the illness is non reversible there are definitely you know proven uh, cases where we have seen that the symptoms became better the person started feeling a lot better just because they worked on their mindset so if your mind is under your control you can literally work miracles there and we have cases of cancers being you know suddenly becoming better remissions happening because they worked on their mindset so they are not miracles they are actually people who have worked on themselves and you know taken care of their mindset that helps bring these results because we have a very strong mind body connection so therapy can do wonders and like i said it's not for you know just the people who are suffering it is for the family members it is for everybody who feels that they need to work on themselves and take some charge over them right okay that was a very insightful episode honestly like i i know i've been like so quiet the entire time it's because i was literally like Just sitting and absorbing everything because it's just new to me, right? Because right. still, still a student, still learning, and I think sure. a lot of people talk about dealing with mental illnesses, which of course I'm not saying they shouldn't, but like right. nobody talks about dealing with mental illnesses while you have like chron- another yeah. chronic illness as well, right? Yeah. So I think uh, this was a good learning for me, and I'm pretty sure for everyone listening as well. So thank you, Ruhi, for thank being you, with Anna. us. Yes, thank you so much. And to everyone who's listening to Leo, thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.